Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest times. We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. Um, today we are talking with Alex about some family things going on. Uh, she was just about to give us an update on the latest and we thought, oh, this would be something to share with our Boy Problems podcast community. Um, so Alex, how about you just start from the beginning? Okay. Well, uh, just really quickly, this is not about my husband. Thank God. So, <laughs> so while it's still not great news, um, we're all good on that front for now yeah, so <laughs> um well so I think I've talked about in the past um my relationship with my dad and you know, how as a kid he was essentially like a dry drunk um so he was sober but not really uh I would say functional I mean he was functional but not really emotionally available or happy I would say mm-hmm. um so anyways he and my mom like had a relationship for a long time like that and they uh divorced and then my dad started drinking again and you know all, I think I've talked about like how his alcoholism technically has played into my life um anyway so yeah. he he met his he like reconnected with his old high school girlfriend um back in like 2013 and she is um someone who we've known has like had chronic pain and has been on um prescribed medication since we we've known her so she's also been like a person that has been like a big supporter of charlie and i like she understands addiction in a way like my own mom didn't so just because she's been more exposed to it and um now is struggling with it herself so i think all of those components kind of um made me closer to her than maybe I would have been had she not as been as understanding and supportive of us throughout this process. So yeah. all of that to say that this story is about her. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just going to say real quick. Yeah. Um, speaking of your relationship with her, like if I remember correctly, there've been a lot of times when things have ha- happened with Charlie that she's been the one that you've turned to mm-hmm. like other than, your mom or other people so you mentioned how she's just been a strong support system and yeah I mean she was even going to like family groups um when he was a patient in recovery um so I mean she's been really involved and always been like really supportive last year when I was pregnant and the relapse happened she was the only person I called it in my family um to talk to about that I mean outside of you guys she was the one that I was just like look this like I told, I talked, had the conversation with her about like, I don't know if I can raise a kid with this person. I haven't, there's no one else in my family that I've been that honest with about like my mm-hmm. relationship, not just the addiction part, but like my challenge with being in my relationship, um, despite my, the addiction. So yeah, she's been really helpful to me and a big, a big supporter. Um, 
So from the beginning, so we, I mean, I've always known that she's had to use pain medications. I've always assumed that they were, you know, real legit opioids. I don't, I mean, she's just always been in a pain clinic, um, something she gets like shots and stuff for chronic pain. So it's just something that we've all kind of known about her. Um, It's never been a problem. So nothing that's ever been like, oh, that's weird. Or, you know, it seems like she's high or whatever that's never been the case Mm -hmm. so this all um kind of starts at least in my experience i haven't done that so um this whole thing for us starts um from my perspective so um when i was on but prior to covid and all of that she was going to babysit my son um for one month after I returned to work. So she was going to just come over and save me a month of daycare, but also she just really wanted to like get to know him and stuff. So prior to COVID, we were planning on that. When I returned from maternity leave, we were still working at home and I still needed help in my house. Like I couldn't juggle the baby and work because of a ton of like on video meetings. So um, about two weeks before I was going to go back to work, she came over to our house and I would, she was just going to like learn the routine, learn where everything was. Um, but she was like, clearly like not physically well. And I didn't really know what was going on. Um, she w- just was like, she just didn't seem herself, I guess. And so that was like the first red flag. Um, that was like the first kind of red flag. Although I thought she was just sick. Um, she'd had some health issues that had come up. And we honestly thought she had COVID. I mean, to be very honest, we thought, you know, all of her thing, and she could have during this, I don't really know, but um, she had pneumonia. She was in and out of of the hospital for a few months. Um, She was just really sick and really ill and very weak. And so the updates I was, I was getting were just very like quick text updates. And this happened for like three months where she would text and be like, I just got out of the hospital, um, or I have pneumonia, or whatever, just really quick one text updates. So um, it wasn't until like a couple of weeks ago, my dad was over helping us with some home projects. And um, oh, me in the meantime, so she's telling me that my dad and hers relationship is strained. So she's kind of talking to me about like how my dad is just being he was not very understanding while she was sick and he just wasn't very caring or attentive and she was feeling very depressed um because he had been very supportive so when my dad and I were one-on-one kind of confronted him question for you Mm -hmm. um so during this time when she's telling you all these things about the relationship Mm -hmm. and um and I think you had told us previously she had mentioned like he wasn't he wasn't allowing her to drive mm-hmm. and money out and all these things that sounded very like weird to you in the moment. Right. Was, your, was your dad saying anything during this time to you guys? Were, were you talking separately or it was all just no. with your stepmom? It was all just between us and like my dad. So I have a really hard time opening up. That's something that I think we've talked about a lot. Um, yes. But my dad is about like, 10 times more secretive or private, I guess, than I am. So mm-hmm. um, it was, no, we were not having these conversations until it was just like he was over and then we were one-on-one and I, we just had the opportunity and it seemed so severe that I just confronted him about it. And um, 
he kind of opened up throughout the day and after some beers. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, during that, that day that he was over helping us, we we're selling our house and he was helping us get some stuff ready for the showings. And um, we spent all day together and he like throughout the day told me everything that had been going on which was very different than her story, you know? Um, I mean, the, the, a few days prior to this, so this was on a Saturday, on that previous Thursday, um, because I thought that she was just so depressed, I mean, she very well, I mean, could be, but um, she had been telling me that she was just so uh, sad and had missed, like, all this time with uh, her grandson. And um, so I invited her to stay at our house anytime she wanted like when my dad was out of town because he travels for work and so the Thursday prior to me talking to my dad she was coming over to spend the night and spend time with the baby so um she texts me this day and it's like hey I'll be there between two and three and it's like okay fine and then um calls me like is not there by three and then it's just kind of calling me like at like six and then like seven and eight and making all these excuses like she's late she's lost um all of this weird stuff and she finds and she's been to your house before oh, yeah right yeah i i live 30 minutes from her lost okay <laughs> mm-hmm. and um so it was just very strange and it like honestly triggered some alarms that had been like a little bit dormant like even uh my husband charlie was like yeah that's really like that stuff i would do and he's like i know it's weird um so she finally gets there at like 8 30 and hangs out mind you she came to hang out with the baby who went to bed two hours ago and so she's like okay well i'm just gonna go to bed and uh get up and see the baby in the morning well okay so she goes to bed but then doesn't wake up until noon the next day and the baby has been awake napped and been awake again (laughs) and um she still is asleep and so I was a little concerned because she'd had some health issues um happening and I didn't know if like she'd just been really sick or whatever so I checked on her a few times and she was like stone cold out of it. I mean, she was definitely like, I mean, she would respond, but she was just like really out of it. So, um, yeah, I was just like, I was just giving her the benefit of the doubt. But then it was like weird because she woke up and she was really defensive about sleeping so late. And there's just like these weird red flags that you kind of like, you don't know what's going on, but you know, this isn't normal or typical for this person and I was like okay so we're gonna getting through the day she's helping me clean and like get my house ready and stuff um but she's also very detached from us like typically she would have been like hanging out with the baby and just like freeing me up to do the things that needed to be done and Mm -hmm. she was just like really not present um yeah, it's just very strange. But at the, again, at the time, it's just like, I didn't really know what it was, but I just felt like something was off. So mm-hmm. anyway, she ends up, she leaves that day and then ends up coming back on the same day that my dad was there. But um, we were all kind of separate. So my dad and I could talk. Long story short. So my dad is talking to me, like he starts opening up. Um, at first, you know, this starts at like 10 a.m. He's like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and I was like okay so but then like I start slowly like bringing it back up or like prying things out of him and he basically tells me before she gets there that day that those uh, trips to the hospital were because he had found her like passed out in their home um, and 
the first time she went to a hospital and the doctor had told him that she had opioids in her system and that she needed treatment. Um, she hadn't been prescribed prescription drugs since February. And so, um, like apparently she got kicked out of a pain clinic, um, in February and was put on some sort of list that she can't get back into a pain clinic now. Um, and she does have chronic pain and obviously she's been on pain meds for a very long time. So she started, um, seeking these out like through friends and other people. And I think just lately she has been buying them from, um, maybe uh, probably a drug dealer because my dad said he's been like finding like small bags um nice. around um, and so i don't think she's just like getting them from a friend who has extras like anymore like i think she was at one point um well and like amount of money being spent would... yeah and so he also said that she's been spending like a thousand dollars a week um that it's getting really crazy and he was like starting to freak out which is why he like took her debit card and it's just something i didn't know like she had just told me like your dad won't let me spend any money he took the, the debit card and it's like well why is he doing that um so he explained that to me um he was getting his money moved to a different bank account without her name on it um because she had already spent like twenty four thousand dollars at this point and um so yeah my dad is like trying to protect his money he's the sole income provider for them um so so yeah he's telling me this stuff that she had um he's confronted her she's defensive um she won't get help he tried to get her family involved they were not um as helpful as he would have liked and his main Mm -hmm. oh so there were three times she went to the hospital and the last time um, she had a seizure and it really, really scared him. And uh, so that was kind of like his like, this is this is obviously a huge problem. I don't know if she's starting to get like pills with things in them that she doesn't know are in there or what's escalating her physical response. Um, but something's going on there. So he kind of he said that that really scared him like he was really upset about it and um didn't he's like i just don't want to see that ever again so he that was kind of the catalyst for him to really confront her about it um yeah so i don't know i mean i'll let you guys ask questions that you might have because there are a lot of details i'm sure i'm leaving out but um yeah that's the that's the gist of the story as far as what i found out that day um yeah yeah i guess when you were finding this out that day, like what was your reaction or how were you responding to your dad or supporting him? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was really sad because it's like, I've been there and I know how hard it is um, when you don't like, when you're figuring these things out, you know, he's just now figuring out this is a problem. And um, at the same time, crazy things keep happening and he's kind of on edge and like awaiting like it's scary um so yeah I'm really sympathetic and I'm also like just really sad that I like someone listened to me tell this story and the like my urgency like I want him I want him to not be in this situation you know and so it's interesting Mm -hmm. to have that perspective of like wow you deserve better than this and knowing that I was telling this story to someone and they were probably thinking that about me. Um, right. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, I was 
generally just trying to help him like understand the disease and understand, you know, that this isn't all her, um, just trying mm-hmm. to screw you over. I mean, she can't right. help this. And like, so I, I tried to explain that stuff to him. We talked, we related it to like diabetes or whatever. And, um, that helped him a lot, I think. But we've had many conversations since then. Then it's like slowly. It's like when the first when you come to like a when we would go to our family meeting for the first time, and it's like all of this information, and you kind of pick up a little piece, and then you come back, and you never implement everything. Like you can, we could tell everyone, right. we could tell a new person, like you should do this, this, and this, and it's like they won't for months because they're slowly getting their minds around what's happening they're slowly figuring out how they feel about it what they're comfortable with the options that they have so that's kind of how it's been like we've had probably three or four conversations since where we're just slowly like he he'll make these excuses at first of like reasons he can't cut her off from stuff and that day I was like well you can like you can do it today like there's nothing holding you back and he's like but this and this and I'm like we can do that this way and he's like oh okay you know because his mind is not like in a I need to solve this problem immediately. It's just that I need to solve this problem. And I'm trying mm-hmm. to communicate to him like this is it's more urgent than that, you know, like um yeah. so it's that's kind of how I how I've been with it. Um at first I was very much like let's do intervention, let's get her in treatment, let's let's give her an ultimatum and because I know that's what the probably the best most effective thing to do is um but my dad's not ready for that so then right well it will only be effective if he's ready for it and she's ready for it like yeah you know if if he's not willing if he or not willing but if he's not in a place where he can follow through with it then it doesn't make a lot of sense to like put out those like ultimatums and then not follow through and same with her I guess where where is she in all of this have there been have you talked to her or so have your dad said anything i haven't talked to her about this um but i've talked to her so my dad has asked me to wait he basically is like doesn't want her to know that i know because he wants to use that as like a tool for leverage for treatment whenever that is right so we were gonna we were talking the first time we talked about it we were gonna do it like the next day um but like I said he wasn't quite ready for that so I haven't told her that I know but um we've communicated and um I mean she's doing okay it seems like but um yeah I mean and then we're kind of being more cautious like we're not gonna leave her with my son you know so there are certain things Mm -hmm. that like we now aren't going to do um and my dad understands that so my dad's kind of helping with that right now so but at the same time I feel like we're kind of tiptoeing around it because he's not ready for her to know like be confronted by us um and she's just very adamant that we don't know and I think because we know what's going on like we know what's up with all this (laughs) You know the exactly. games. And so she doesn't want us to know. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. So it feels weird to me because it's like, this is not the way I would do it, but I'm just trying to be respectful. It's not my problem, really, to deal with. You know, like, I want to support them and my dad especially. Um, I mean, her too, obviously. But um, it doesn't seem like she's quite ready to get treatment or even acknowledge that this is a problem. So that's where she's at. 
And um, I'm just trying not to like control the situation because I want to. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Trying not to take it on as right. your own. Um, you said, yeah, she's not ready for treatment. And I can't. So the day after you and your dad talked, he like that next day, he did propose treatment to mm-hmm. her, right? How did that? So he has, yes. So the next day he basically moved all of the money to his own account without her name on it. Um, And he told her, so he's about to go out of town for work. And he basically said that he wanted her to go to treatment. And um, she said, no, like she wouldn't talk about it. Basically she shut down the conversation pretty early. And so my dad left and went out of town. And then um, he actually came over last weekend. And that's the first time I'd seen him in person since um, the, our original conversation about all this. And, he said that she had still not like decided to go to treatment obviously she wasn't really willing to have a conversation uh about it with him so in his mind he was like i'm just gonna give her a little bit of time because i had taken all the money away and he's basically like seeing like what happens next so like in his mind he's like i'm just taking it one step at a time and right now she doesn't have access to anything so we'll see what happens and i was like okay i mean that's fine. Uh, it's, it, you have to be. He, the thing is, it's like I don't want to push him too much. But I want to tell him something to do that potentially leads to something bad happening to her, um, because I don't want to live with that. Like it, I feel like if someone had told me you should you should kick Car- Charlie out before I was ready and I did that and then something terrible happened to him, I don't know how I would have felt about that. Or like I mean, we've had a friend. Um, my group that whose husband died and she had kicked him out and they were separated and doing the contract this whole thing and it's like you know I just am very cautious about like forcing steps that he's not ready for potential knowing that there are some potential consequences there so I do want to say though that even if he took steps that maybe you pushed him to do or that he did himself and he wasn't ready and something happened that you are not oh, totally for that. At the same time, you know, I, I know that it's easy, like you would still feel it. How can you not? But I just, I think we always need to hear more and more reminders that like nothing that we are doing, like we are not responsible for those, those things. I think we put a lot of guilt on ourselves yeah, already totally. so and I know you know all of this mm-hmm. like logically it's just, and it's different like you know what you feel in your heart versus like what you know in your mind yeah but well and I will say that for years this has been your thing you all I mean it seems as if I hate using the word always but like when we talk and stuff like this you 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 are very hesitant to 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 do these things because of this because of your fear if something bad were to happen for your friends or to other people you yeah you personally it's a touchy thing you know and it's like Mm -hmm. consequences you could push someone to a an area and they they could die um that happened with our friend whose husband i mean you know she was doing all the things we were doing and i'm not saying that i feel guilt i don't feel guilty about that but it's just a reminder that like these things are definitely helpful tools, um, but this disease is, is terrible. And the consequence sometimes, 
of these things is that people use and I'm not saying you shouldn't do them I'm just saying you should be ready to do them yeah (laughs) you know um so that's just kind of I mean even for me personally I think it took me there were definitely times where it took me longer to pull the trigger on some of my like harder consequences because I was afraid of the outcome I think we've all kind of been there um it really took me getting to a place where like I don't care this is no longer something I can deal with like I have to do this for my own well-being and sometimes that was like the rational rationale I needed to do it confidently um because yeah yeah, I mean yeah so I don't know that's just kind of how I feel about it it is very I am very cautious about it um you know, maybe it's because with my husband, like when I have done these things, things escalate very quickly, instantly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I don't know, but it, it could go on. Like I was telling him, I mean, you could implement this new like boundary and things could go on as they happen for years. Like you just don't know. Like, so you kind right. of have to do whatever is best for you. And um I've set my boundaries with her, like, not, I haven't told her explicitly, but I know what my boundaries are with her. So I feel like I've protected myself from that chaos. And outside of that, like, there's really nothing for me to do besides support my dad when he needs it. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe my thoughts will change on it as it progresses. But for right now, it's like, I'm just kind of following his lead and challenging him sometimes and telling him you know but you don't have to live like this and this doesn't have to be your life and um right all of that so that's kind of the role I'm taking currently what is he saying like what's the dynamic like in their relationship at the moment like do are they getting along or so it's been happening for okay. months. So this is also a challenge because at the same time, my dad is not one with great communication skills around these things because my dad is avoidant. Um, so it's ch- like I'm trying to essentially like coach my dad on like talking to her, you know, and like I think back like when we started our journey in recovery, like in our relationship you know, we spent months in therapy learning how to just communicate. <laughs> and I'm trying to like, because yeah. she is obviously not willing to really discuss these things. And Charlie was like that as well. I mean, you don't want to talk about this stuff because you want to do your own thing. <laughs> and so right. I'm at the same time trying to tell him like, but you need to constantly tell her that this is not a you don't support this and you love her but she needs treatment and you know all of these things but my dad is just very avoidant so um it's challenging because he doesn't really have the skills to do it on his own but at the same time he's not ready to like really reach out for help um Mm -hmm. so yeah they're they're really not talking much um I think it's helping him a little bit like at first I think he was taking things very personally which I did as well like you're doing this because you're not happy in our marriage or I'm not a good enough wife. Like there was definitely a stage where I was taking it all very personally. Um, My dad was doing that too, which is interesting that we kind of reacted the same way to this, Um, which is, you know, something where I'm learning about right now. This book I'm reading is my anxious attachment style. Um, So, uh, which I apparently get from my dad. (laughs) 
Um, so anyways, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where they're at. They're not, I mean, it's just very minimal. And uh, I think it's kind of walking on eggshells between them. Even when they were both here at my house, they didn't talk and kind of avoided each other. So it's definitely weird. Yeah. And that's, it's got to be kind of a weird spot for you since so many similarities between like you and your dad and just like the situation, like taking you back to kind of like those. Right. And then thinking about like, oh yeah, I remember what it was like when Charlie and I were like walking on eggshells. Yeah. I mean, it also at the same time reminds me just how far Charlie and I have come. Um, But yeah, it's kind of, it, it sucks from like when I, think about my dad it's like they have a long road like she has a long road I mean she's been doing this for a long time and um she actually needs these medications like she needs some sort of pain management um so there's a physical need on top of the addiction need um which is super challenging and she's not willing to admit she has a problem so I mean she's at the very beginning with a 30 year using history probably that's hard and my dad is, you know, yeah. 67 and I don't want, I mean, I'm like, dad, you should be traveling. You're healthy and young. Like, he's just like, like you, you should be like right. enjoying this time and like not dealing with this. Like, this is a long road. And so part of me is like, dad, just pull yeah. the escape cord. <laughs> but, right. Yeah. But then we can also totally understand where he's coming from. Cause you just mentioned mm-hmm. he's 67. And I remember like last year when, everything was falling apart with Jake and I'm like but I'm like 31 and I don't want to start over and I mean her dad's 67 so thinking about like starting over has to be even more daunting at that point I totally agree yeah it's challenging on all fronts I mean he obviously really cares about her this is his high school sweetheart and um yeah. they're really good together and but right now they're it's like all of us at the beginning you know our relationships weren't great <laughs> and they're really dysfunctional right. and that's where he's at is at the very beginning so oh i was gonna when i just took all the money away from steve he started yeah, to pawn stuff so okay good because i'd hate for him to lose some of his things to like a pawn shop that yeah, may be valuable to him you know because she could do a ring like, the whole thing know, like she yeah could start selling stuff she could start stealing stuff like i don't know yeah. like just be gonna or like a thousand dollars a week i mean that's freaking a ton of money or open up a like credit card like in her own oh name, yeah not aware of like that was something jake did at one point like there was a credit card mm-hmm. I didn't know existed yeah because yeah, I I just I can't imagine that after spending a thousand dollars a week on stuff that she's been able to just there's stop no way right now or like, that's not gonna and last I told him too long. like she's he's like well now she's cut off she's gonna have to stop and I'm like she can't stop like you have to understand she cannot stop without help so you cutting her off like that is gonna put her in a real hard place and um you just have to be prepared for that so now i don't know if i don't know what he did with that information like if he totally cut her off or gave her less money or i don't know but um i did warn him that like that's she physically cannot go without it so you're gonna and mentally possible at this point so um i just warned him Mm -hmm. about that too like there's no cold turkey 
not with this right now so yeah yeah it's a it's it's a mess but i mean i think it's he's like noticeably um his mood is like noticeably better now that we've been talking about it i think it helps him a lot to like talk about it good Um, one really sad part about it was then the first night he told me everything i gave him narcan to take home and i was just like the like just the act of like doing that it was just so sad um just so sad that like that's kind of where we're at with it and yeah i don't know it was just a sad moment in all of it but yeah just the fact that like i had it just the fact that like where we are in our lives that like (laughs) i know about it i have it i have enough to give you some extra and uh and I'm, t- I'm teaching my dad this. It's just, like, kind of made me think about my situation. Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, how am I here? How is yeah. this in my life? How is this the knowledge I can share with my family? Um, so, I don't know. There's some part of it for me, too, that's like, man, this sucks. Yeah, there's a lot of, I don't know if ironic yeah. is the right word. It's just weird. Yeah. So, yeah. What's uh, Charlie's perspective? Um, so he, I mean, he definitely was like the the first night was like, well, I mean, she definitely needs an intervention. I mean, she needs confronted. We have to tell her the truth, and that's what he's saying. Like the long, I mean, and I get his point. The longer this goes on, like we we are all lying uh, to her around her, yeah. And he's like, that's not helping. I mean, obviously, we all know that, but I'm not the one making the decision. So. Um, there's i mean he's just kind of like we know what we need to do i'm like i know so right now he's just you know he's willing to talk to her about like about rehab and recovery and all that um we offered that to my dad like we can just come over and talk about it um he hasn't taken us up on that yet and i just told you know charlie's like well we just know we can't leave our kid with him with her and um we've agreed on that but besides that we're just kind of waiting i mean there's nothing yeah. we can really do right like the secrecy part that i feel like that would be very hard for me like because you know that like the secrecy kind yeah. of just fuels and the it's an enabling and, I mean, right i know that and, yeah and it's, so i'm wondering like how long like you personally will be able to go on with that or if you're going to get to a point where you're like dad i can't keep pretending like I don't know yeah that you're kind of taking his lead right now but at some point you might feel yeah like you can't keep sure. doing that I mean I think it helps that we're just kind of in this COVID time anyways that like we're not seeing each other as much um so there's not a ton of mm-hmm. opportunity for her to just like come over and like be like I don't need her to babysit or I don't need you know it's like a different a little such makes yeah. it a little bit easier but you know, the holidays are coming up, but we're not getting together. So, I mean, those types of things make it a little easier, but I agree. I mean, it's really hard for me um, to pretend like I don't know. And the same time, it's like, well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm just trying to be respectful right now, but I'm sure at some point it'll just get to the point where it's like, I can't keep this up. I don't know. Right. Like finding that balance between, like you said, which I think is really good. You're trying to not take it on like it's not really like your Mm -hmm. problem right so finding that balance between like okay well it's not my problem but then no I don't like the secrecy and lying yeah I don't know where 
goes back to everything about addiction. It's just so tricky and not, there's nothing yeah, black and white sure. about it. So it's hard too because my dad is kind of an addict of his own. He's like an alcoholic. And we talked about his like relationship with alcohol, which was so interesting. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's always been functional. It's never, you know, the kind of one of the tenets of the program is like, your your life is unmanageable well my dad's life is not unmanageable right and it hasn't been with alcohol and so i mean is he does he need help i don't know i mean is does he depend on alcohol way more than most people yes but it hasn't taken over his life and consumed his life and so you know that is that person in need of treatment you know so we kind of talked about that and he said you know i there are like days I there are times I go weeks without drinking and then there are times I drink every day to deal with the stress at home and it's like yeah so I mean I don't know it was interesting to talk to him about that Mm -hmm. because I've always kind of felt like he's leaned on alcohol and but never really talked to him about it um but it seems like he has a pretty healthy relationship with it I mean he definitely consumes more than normal people that's for sure um but he doesn't always drink and yeah, like I said, it's not his life isn't unmanageable. So I guess until it gets to that point, there's nothing really you to do there. I guess so. Yeah, there's no real yeah. motivation to stop. So, well, thank you for sharing this story. We know oh, you're not super comfortable. Than my own, the... so. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's always easier to give other people exactly. advice than to take our own advice. Exactly. Yeah. But no, I'm happy to share. I mean, I just yeah. think it proves that, like, this is not just limited. I mean, everyone in some capacity is dealing with this. I mean, this stuff just. Well, and it's not the 20 year olds, right. it's not the teens. I mean, your stepmom's 60 yeah. something, retired. She's yeah. an addict. Yeah. <laughs> All demographics. Well, and something you said earlier, you you know, you're, you feel like your dad seems like he feels a little bit better, like since talking to you. And I I think that's the hope of this whole podcast. And what we found in our group is just that by like sharing with each other, it does help to like lessen Mm -hmm. the burden a little bit. Yeah. So So, if anything, I'm grateful that I went through all this just to kind of help my dad a little bit. That's definitely one of the, I mean, it feels good to be able to understand and really relate and kind of support someone through something that's that's really challenging and scary and you know just so many unknowns so I guess that I I do like appreciate that I'm grateful for it um so yeah anyway so I'll keep you guys updated um if anything else happens or whatever we can always check in on it again so yeah cool wonderful sharing All right, everyone. Well, thank you again for listening to Boy Problems Podcast. Uh, Write us if you have any uh, questions, tips, anything like that. We're always happy to help and keep coming back. Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media, and if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at hello at boyproblemspod.com.